HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with the lovely Jessica Coslow of Squirrel. And my first question, uh, you know you misspelled that. What do you mean? Squirrel. Oh, well, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, squirrel, Is it a moniker? Is it, um, I don't think I'll ever live it down. No. It, it will carry itself with me for the rest of my <laughs> life to uh, the chagrin of my parents who... Uh, raised me right and <laughs> uh, found me, you know, I went to higher education and here I am spelling squirrel, S-Q-I-R-L. Um, it's actually the marriage of girl and squirrel. Uh, squirreling away is an old time preserving term. Uh, and it was a girl, myself, who started <laughs> this company doing just that. And so the marriage seemed fit. It wasn't the animal but it was the person doing the action. Yeah, I think that's called a portmanteau. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but how often do you get asked the question, they explain why you named Squirrel Squirrel? I mean, at least 10 times a day, I would say. And the funny thing is to hear people at the restaurant who are there for the first time always, you know, for the most part, pronouncing it incorrectly and having to actually tell them, no, it's a, it. it it's squirrel. It's us. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. What are the ways people mispronounce it? Squirrel. I think squirrel. Squirrel. Hey, we're at squirrel. Squirrel. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, one question I, I doubt anyone asks you is, why did you start Squirrel? Because what it is now and what it means to not just Echo Park, Silver Lake, L.A., right. 
breakfast, lunch, uh, or, or that type of place in, in this country right now, no one will ever question its origins. Yeah. But that's what we're here to do. <laughs> well. You know, you grew up not too far away from Squirrel itself. Yeah. I grew up in Long Beach, which is probably 35, 40 miles away from uh, from Los Angeles. But interestingly, when you're in LA or you live in California, sometimes you take all of that for granted. The The season, there's no change in season. It is summer, almost 365 days a year. And so the farmer's market, the plethora of produce, uh, it all seems as typical as the sun. And um, I think when I when I went away for college, um, you and I have a shared experience of both <laughs> going to Boston and love those dirty waters. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, I'll never forget the the nachos at the other side cafe. Lots of I ate a lot of black beans. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in Boston, um, but experiencing my first winter there, it really snapped me into understanding. Wow. There's something special happening in produce land in California. It wasn't really on my mind then, but as I grew and evolved into a cook and um, lived in Georgia and worked uh, in southern kitchens where preservation is the everyday, um, taking that skill back to L.A., it felt natural to, you know, to start a preserving company in, in Los Angeles. This wasn't something you grew up with. You weren't a jam or a preserver. Your family didn't have, you know, a root cellar. No, it's actually my my dad's parents, uh, the Coslos, uh, had a grocery store chain in Richmond, Virginia, and had a canning company uh, called Rich Foods, which still exists today. My my grandfather was the, uh, you know, I guess the manager or CEO of that company, um, and I was always told as a little child don't get into the food business. You'll never, you'll never have a life. Uh, and so, of course, I take great advice from my, my parents and did exactly that. Um, but no, I didn't, um, I didn't start... I guess food wasn't on my mind from a young age. It just, it just evolved. Yeah, what was on your mind? Uh, figure skating. <laughs> did you know that? No, no. <laughs> Wait, what is that one where it's way down and one leg out? Oh, oh, um... I mean, can you show me that action again? Because I'm going to need absolutely. I'm gonna need a I want to be able to walk out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know uh, off the top of my head, actually. Um, but yeah, I grew up figure skating. My mom is a dermatologist, and I think she. Well, first of all, I I was five, and I went to a, a an ice skating rink and fell in love with the sport, and I skated until I was about 19, um, competitively. Uh, but my mom, I think, really loved it because she's, again, she's a dermatologist and it was her way of keeping me out of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so summer in, in California was an ice skating rink, uh, an enclosed rink with a, you know, a sweatshirt and, yeah. and gloves. Like We hope she doesn't go goth, though. That would also be good for her skin. Right. That would also be good. But I don't think my mom knew what that was. Yeah. So uh, the former seemed like a better option. So do you have that competitive nature? Uh, the food business itself is 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 cutthroat, is, you know, sometimes heads butting. Yeah. You know, the more the more I think about it, the more I th- I do believe that it did help me. I mean, I know a lot of chefs that do have a background in doing something else and being passionate 
in whatever they were passionate in, whether it was at age five or age 25, helped to, you know, take that similar kind of energy and apply it to a new passion or, you know, a channeled passion. Um, so yeah, I think, I think figure skating and being really focused and dedicated, waking up at four in the morning and skating for three hours and then getting out of the, getting out of school and skating again for another three hours every day, seven days a week. Um, although I only went to school five days a yeah. week, <laughs> Don't, let's not go crazy, yeah. but yeah, it, it really helped to, uh, kind of hone that idea that it's okay to have a passion and to go for it. Do you ever have weird ice skating flashbacks when you go into the walk-in? <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some, I won't lie. There are, there are some times where I will, um, freak someone out by just doing a twirl yeah (laughs) so we'll get off the sports and we'll 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 go to you know atlanta georgia bacchanalia Mm -hmm. um a restaurant where you learned about really learned about preservation tell me about how atlanta is different but similar to la um well i had the amazing fortune of working with ann quitrano uh who's the chef owner of bacchanalia she has uh she she has a farm probably about i don't know i think 20 acres a lot of lot of acreage and when i moved to the south i had always wanted to cook but never uh i guess had the galls to do it and it was finally a point where i was out on my own i was out of school and um she took me in uh, after i wrote a really crazy email just like pretty much saying that i would wipe her floors um and that was my first experience with preservation, which was, look, the seasons are very short and we don't have that much land here. We don't grow 80% of the produce for the rest of the United States like California does in a, for a lot of different produce. So you have to preserve what you have. Um, and so that was the initial learning, really old world technique, just simple does it, easy hand, and um, canning for you know, squirreling away as it is for the year. In California, you have strawberries. They're not as good. They're not nearly as good as they are now, but you have strawberries in February. And you have these produce that you don't have uh, anywhere else for as long as you do. So um, just the ability to can on larger scale and to really, like, hone that technique and make it perfect is, you know, I think what, what California can offer. So what kind of produce was there at the northeast corner of Virgil Avenue and Marathon Street? <laughs> Where Squirrel is? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos bag and uh, Arizona iced tea, large 99-cent one. Um, that Virgil is kind of where Squirrel is, is still a transforming neighborhood. The great thing is that uh, we work with farmers that come to the Hollywood market and the Santa Monica market. And uh, they bring, for example, right now we're preserving uh, 80 flats of alala berries. They're around for three weeks of the year. One farmer is growing them. It's Murray. And basically I say, I want all alala berries. I want all the alala berries. <laughs> and so that's what we're doing right now. Who else do you buy all the berries from? All the berries. Um, What's great is now I have farmers saying, look, I also have these. Do you want them? 
Um, but Florabella, James Birch, is one of my favorites. He has Blenheim apricots, which um, are on the slow food architase. They're a variety that is just so exceptional. Um, they're just incredibly fragrant and floral and sweet and acidic and everything you want in an in a apricot. Um, so there's a, uh, two farmers growing those, but uh, Mike Cerrone, he's a curmudgeon of a guy, um, who dry farms. He has a farm called Sea Canyon. I, I get a lot of stuff from him as well. So was it those descriptors, those kind of you know, sensory smells, <clears throat> that brought you back to L.A. because the East just wasn't cutting it for you? Why open up in L.A.? Well, what's interesting is I was, I was in Atlanta. I was working uh, at, at Bacchanalia, and I, I didn't know if I could hack it. Um, I was making $10 an hour, which is very typical of cooks. And actually, I was well-paid in 2005 at the time. Um, And so I moved to New York and worked in production. I left cooking altogether. And um, it was a a low point for Jessica Coslow, um, I think. And, And a high point as well. I think, actually, producing taught me a different skill. It taught me, when you're a cook, you see things from, this is my list, this is the stuff I have to do. And... I check off that list and I, I'm out. You don't realize, well, there's a hundred other people that have lists too that make this thing function. But when you're producing, you realize there's so many different hands, so many different heartbeats that make the thing tick. It's not just you, it's a group of yous. And so working in production here kind of allowed me those skills to realize, hey, I, I, can, I can get back into food and actually grow something of my own. Um, so I moved to L.A. I was with someone at the time who is now a winemaker up in Napa, and we were moving to L.A. to continue up north, and I just fell in love in L.A., you know, and so I stayed and started Squirrel. When I met you at Squirrel, you were nice enough to come out and chat <laughs> with my wife and I, but you'd also look over your shoulder and say, you know, I got to go cook on the line. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. Yeah. Uh, but having, again, like you said, that understanding that other people have to be hitting that checklist and enjoying themselves doing it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, to be able to be a functional and thriving restaurant is is that managerial thing that not all cooks or chefs realize they have to have it someday. You yeah. know, to open up their own place to be able to proliferate. I mean, I think as a chef... You get into the business because at the end of the day, it's hospitality. You're making something that you want to be enjoyed by others. And that's the thing you have to think about every day, even if they don't like it or they don't, you have a different palate. It's um, your job is to, to really try and give your experience to others and hope that they enjoy it. Were you likable? Were you eccentric? Were you somebody else when you were just a preserve company? Because when Squirrel opened up in 2011, it, it almost seems like you could have done that by yourself. Why expand? I think, yeah, I think I did. Um, I did do it by myself because it's the thing that I knew I could do. Um, I could evolve naturally. You know, even in talking, being here at Roberta's, Roberta's started in one way and it has evolved into all these different components over over time it's not been overnight 
And I think squirrels the same way. It's like I, I knew what I could manage myself, and I was able to grow it as, as it felt natural and organic. And, and so that's what I've done. But yeah, Squirrel as a jam company was very different. I was hiding a little bit. It's scary out there. It's scary to put yourself out there. You're going to be judged. People are going to love you. They're going to hate you. And you have to be ready for it. When were you ready to put a famed ricotta toast on the menu? When did you have brioche and ricotta, in other words? I mean, I, I had uh, blintzes. That's, that's what I had. And so to me... It was one of the first things that went on the menu as as a reflection of, uh, you know, a youth at Cantor's, a youth at Catella Deli. I went to Cantor's when I was out there. I actually went to the Kibitz room. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you can see in the Cantor's, and it glows. It's it's kind of this stale light at night. Yeah, it's stale, yeah. But it's still beautiful. It's a beautiful stale light. How do you keep yourself from not going stale? Like, how do you keep Squirrel as vibrant as it is four years in? So Squirrel, the jam company, started four years ago, and the restaurant started two and a half. But it's still, um, I think, because here, for me, you have to stay creative. There's a demand that the menu change every day. There's specials on that board every day that change, and with, and that means that you have to have um, tinkering hands and and creativity flowing every day and it's required and I think that's the only way to not go stale is to keep keep that creative spirit of uh, what am I going to do next what is going to be next on the menu and that's what um, keeps the customers excited as well I, I think at least baking serving but vegan friendly attuned to the rhythms of an LA day breakfast until 4pm squirrel is of the moment yet anchored by something deeper Patrick Co. yeah yep. Love that guy. Such a wonderful quote. And on that, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. You've been listening to Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. One of the pleasures of travel is being able to stop by the Singapore hawker stall, whose family has been selling the same kind of noodles for th- three generations. The Umbrian stand that sells only porchetta, the South Korean alley where nothing but boiled pig's feet are sold. I remember the astonishment on my first trip to Spain of stumbling into a cafe that sold nothing but toast. That toast, charcoal broiled and spread thickly with good butter, was magnificent. 
I was thinking about that toast the other day over at Breakfast with Squirrel, a sort of cafe that Jessica Coslow carved out of a tiny East Hollywood storefront. You know, that's just not, that, that's not nobody that's saying that. that. That is, talk about a curmudgeon. That is Jonathan Gold talking about how you not only mastered, but were able to create something so singular and transportive at the same time without ever having left L.A. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful quote from him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now he has a sandwich with his name on it, which I assume <laughs> is always his ploy. <laughs> Just so you can always eat his own sandwich no matter where he goes. Yeah, I, I haven't seen him lately, though. I don't know if the line is uh, keeping him away, but I haven't seen him. Well, people line up for a good reason. The, the rice bowl that Jack, are, you know, <laughs> sitting in the next room, when he came back from L.A., Give me one of those nudges. You have to go to Squirrel. You have to have to go to Squirrel. <laughs> and I apologize. I forgot to give you the jam that I brought for you, but he's probably squirreling that away himself. Oh, okay. <laughs> true story. Yeah. Oh. But would not stop talking about you, the restaurant, that pesto sorrel, because it was unlike anything he had ever had. And, you know, I, I'm a New Yorker. I'm cynical. And then I went to Squirrel, and it was unlike anything I ever had. How did you make that rice bowl different? Well, I think you trust your palate. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's a good answer, but um, my palate really sings with um, acid and uh, dill, Mediterranean spices and, and herbs. And for me, sorrel is also that, that traditional combination with salmon is something that really sings to me, and um, I I don't know I just tried it I was like this can be this can be something that transcends dinner or a salad this can tra- that this can move into breakfast um, and I don't know I think that Squirrel is one of these places that has become um, it's curious people are willing to take that risk to try something that is unlike anything that they might ever eat for breakfast or lunch and. Um, be excited by a new experience you know it's funny <laughs> you told me oh breakfast is good but you gotta come for lunch yeah well i said that because that's the create the specials come out at 11 so at that point you get to choose between breakfast and lunch there are breakfast specials but that creative spark that i was telling you about where things evolve every day that happens at 11 so what are some of those dishes um Oh goodness! Now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, I feel like I need to go to my to my feed right now. We have a carrot salad on the menu that is raw. It has beet labna with it, and it's it's just called seriously colorful salad, um, and it's incredibly vibrant and beautiful. Uh, we also have something that's cabbage with um, with an avocado crema and uh, forage mushrooms and uh, scribe almonds. Um, and we also do, you know, we've been getting in a lot of potted meats. We do a lot of white, uh, smoked whitefish um, with marinated akira, akira which is uh, salmon roe. And we make these tapioca uh, onion puffs, uh, which we basically cook and then dehydrate and then fry to puff up. And those are kind of like our, our chips. Um, so those are just some of the things that are on the menu right now. 
I mean, I think it's best described as your upcoming book title, Everything I Want to Eat, <laughs> which, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait, what, a year, a year and a half yeah. for. But that's what Squirrel is. It's it's a collection of not just what you want to eat, but what we all want to eat, too. It's, it's tapped into this verve of, again, not just L.A., but the, the zeitgeist of what we want for food and the place we want to eat that food at in this country. Um I what? think sometimes that food, um, when you think about sides, vegetable sides, or th- that can be moved into being a breakfast item as easily as it can be dinner um, and as easily as it can be lunch. And it, it's funny how many people order a breakfast sandwich at lunch at Squirrel, and there's so many other lunch options. Um, so it's just kind of saying, hey, see, see how these foods can be, they don't have to be your breakfast. They could be your dinner. What happens after 4 p.m.? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, some really loud Spanish tunes go on. And uh, it is a night crew that comes in at, at 4 and then w- basically starts prepping for the next day. So Squirrel is open from basically 8 to 4. Uh, the night crew's there until like 2.30 in the morning. And... Then our pastry team comes in at three or so. So maybe there's a 30-minute time period that we're closed, and most of the time it's just it just keeps on going. So what's going to happen when next door opens up? I think we're still trying to figure it <laughs> out. That's why we just took over that other space. So uh, squirrel. The thing about squirrel is that it is less than a thousand square feet it's a pretty small space but next door we have about two thousand feet which has our walk-in and our prep kitchen and we've been using that to basically do the food that uh, we do at squirrel Um, we just took over the space two doors down so that we can move that prep space to what will be an office and then we're starting construction and turning that into squirrel away so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting dance because there's going to be a lot of people making um, <laughs> food for two sides now. And Squirrel Away is more of a to-go concept, a grab-and-go, as it were. Yeah, I think so. You know, the the lines are can are amazing and at the same time can be disheartening um, because you want people to experience Squirrel and yet maybe they don't have the time so having a place next door where it's all takeaway coffee and all takeaway food, but it's it's still scoop it's still made very small batches and not like prepackaged, so people can be like, I want two of that and one of these. Um, and when I say two of that, one of these, maybe it's a salad, maybe it's a potted, and maybe it's bacala, you know, um, maybe it's a rabbit riette um, or a. Marin Sun Farm duck riette sandwich. Um, so that's kind of the point for us is to explore what we can on, on the larger bulk scale um, because everything at Squirrel is so a la minute, you know, per person. You know, uh, one of the kind of core ingredients of obviously the rice bowls is the rice itself. Um, the story behind that farm and the relationship you have with them. I mean, Coda Farm has been generational. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is it for you to support that kind of vision and that kind of family? I think 
that's what Squirrel is. From the jam to our restaurant in, in whole, in totality, it is our mission, my mission, to really have that, you know, it's a friendship, it's a connection um, between the farmer and, and what we do with that ingredient. Um, so Coda Farm has been around since the early 1900s. They might be the first, like, still longest existing rice farm in California. And what's interesting is that they grow um, this heirloom variety that they brought over from Japan called Kukohu Rose, um, which we buy in pallets and um, use because it's just absolutely delicious. Um, but beyond that, we also use her cover crops. So we use her garbanzo beans and black-eyed peas and, uh, and barley, which are grown to place nitrogen back into the soil. And so for us, it's important to have that connection with all of, all of her land um, in a similar way that we do with James Birch from Florabella, where we buy his arugula and we also buy his Blenheims. Um, so, yeah, that, that's legitimately how we run Squirrel and maybe being on Virgil and like a kind of unique off the beaten path corner has allowed us the opportunity to really care about our ingredients and our staff. Yeah. Of course, there's that line. And, and you spoke of, you know, Squirrel away supplementing um, that interaction that not everyone can have because <clears throat> that line. Yeah. But that line is also wonderfully symbolic, not of only of you know what a good job you've done and how much people want your food, but I was watching you walk around your restaurant, <laughs> and there's this gap between the inside and the outside that is kept clear. I don't know whether or not it's enforced or uh, people just know now four years in the squirrel, yeah. you keep that clear because that's where you walk through more often than not. It's also where um, customers walk through to get water, and we found that by removing, like, by keeping that open when, as people walk in, it's created. Like, you walk in, and there's, it's like tension free. If that line continued to stack up, where you can't get water, you can't get utensils, there was it, it was turning into war. So, it created a whole new energy in in the place. I think. Yeah, and it's it's. It's kind of like Elijah during Passover. Or <laughs> it's kind of like between Johnny Cash and Moses, that little space in line means so much to that restaurant. And then you appear. That's so funny. I should put a, a glass of wine out yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hope to be able to have wine at Squirrel someday, too. Yeah. I, our The liquor laws are very strange in California. Squirrel Away does have beer and wine to go. But, um, you know... I agree. I, there's more often than not that I'd, that I'd really love a wonderful glass of wine with uh, the food that we're serving. But um, at this point, I don't know if it's possible there. Yeah. But maybe at our, well, most definitely, whenever we have a dinner spot, for sure. You know, eight to four is so taken care of. <clears throat> now a squirrel away, it will be uh, eight to know, s- extended. Yeah, seven to seven. You already have this totality, this idea of who you are and what you do and what you serve and how you treat people and what things should taste like. I'm just so interested to see what you see beyond that right now. What you see, not just the future for yourself, Squirrel, but hopefully for other food establishments like yourself. Well, I think for me, I just hope to stay honest. Stay honest with the kind of food that I want to serve. And... 
a lot of times it can get lost when you grow. Um, and keeping that quality, that palette, that brightness, it's, it's integral to people coming back. Um, so that to me is how do you grow honestly? And I feel like it's, it's happened so far. And so I'm just, because people, when is the, when is the dinner spot coming? When is that opening? And to me, I, I need the next place to be, to feel connected to the last place. And then I can think about it. But right now I'm focusing on, on squirrel away and making sure that that is amazing. The other thing that's been interesting is there have been squirrel alums already that have been going off in Los Angeles and doing their own thing. And I think that's really powerful too. That's really an exciting opportunity to continue that, that energy, that creative energy we were talking about. And then seeing some of your staff that you love and cherish and seeing them trying their own thing and flying and succeeding is, um, it's really rewarding. So, you know, I'm 34 now. Uh, I hope that when I'm 54, I can see a lot more people that have gone and had the dream to do something of their own and done it. Well, it's a line worth waiting for. <laughs> if you're ever in L.A., stop by see Jessica at Squirrel, and we will anxiously wait for everything I want to eat coming out fall 2016 by Abrams Books. Thank you so much for being on The Food Scene. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.